All right, I'm Pastor Erica. It's so good to see you guys this morning. We're continuing our message series, Dangerous Prayers. And I'm just going to start by saying this. We live in a culture that craves danger. We live in a culture that craves danger. And some of you are like, Pastor Erica, I completely and 100% disagree with you. I believe we live in a culture that craves safety and security and stability and certainty. I do not believe we live in a culture that craves danger. So let's start by, by getting really clear about what danger is. So the definition of dangerous is likely to cause problems likely to cause problems or to have adverse consequences. Dangerous, likely to, to cause problems. Do y'all know, know people who, try, who are likely to cause problems? Do y'all know some dangerous people in your lives? I do. One of them is five. Um, likely to cause problems or to have adverse consequences. Do you know people who do things that, that they know there's going to be adverse consequences, but they do it anyway because we live in a culture that craves dangerous experiences. We live in a culture that craves danger. Let me, let me tell you something. We, our kids get a week off of school in March called spring break, right? Do you know what a lot of people in this place do? You, you guys say, oh, people here crave stability and security and certainty. They want everything to be fine. Do y'all know what they do? They get in an airplane. They fly to a place with frigid temperatures where if you don't have the right clothes, Florida clothes aren't going to work in these places. They fly to a place with frigid temperatures where you need all these special clothes to keep from dying from hypothermia. And then when they get there, when they get there, they put, they, they put these things on their, they put these boots on their feet where they can't even move their ankles, y'all. You're like, you can't even walk in these things. They put these kinds of boots on and then they strap these boots into these tiny like plexiglassy things with the exact right surface area to cause you to fly like speed down the side of a mountain. And they do this for fun. They do this for fun. We live in a culture that craves dangerous experiences. On top of all of that, it's not just adults that do this. They strap these things to their kids and send them down the side of a mountain at a high rate of speed. Not a mountain that's covered with pillows on the side and is fluffy. No, mountains with trees and rocks and other people who have no idea what they're doing with these things on their feet flying down the side of a mountain. You don't know what these people are doing. You don't trust how these people vote, but you go skiing down the side of a mountain with them. We crave dangerous experiences. We crave dangerous experiences. And then, y'all take these little things. We don't believe in all these chemical reactions. We're, we're watching all this toxicity. We take these things. We shake them up and stick them in our gloves, these things that are having chemical reactions. We just stick in our gloves and in our boots and in our feet and call them hand warmers. We crave dangerous experiences. We crave dangerous experiences. The most mature and responsible and wise 12-year-old I know, her name's Andrea Ellison. I let her babysit my kids. Her dad sends me a picture. Do you have this picture, Chris? That's her. Thousands of feet above an ocean filled with sharks. 
She did this for fun. She's thoughtful. She's risk averse. I trust her with all three of my kids sometimes. We live in a culture that craves dangerous experiences. Do y'all believe me now? Are y'all on my side? We, we live in a culture that craves dangerous experiences. And let me tell you why. Because our culture really craves feeling powerful. That mountain with snow covered on it, us Florida people, we're like, we do not like the, the lack of power. All that fluffy white cold stuff makes us feel when we look at it. So instead, we're going to ski down it because we are craving feeling powerful in our lives. A kid who, who swims above the sea of anxiety of school and life and, and all the things that 12-year-olds that have to deal with now, cell phones and bullying and all the mess, she feels powerful for a moment as she glides above an ocean. For a moment, we feel powerful when we camp out among wild animals. We feel powerful when we invest the things that we've worked really hard on, our financial resources into, into the stock market. Something about the dangerous experiences feeds our craving of feeling like we have power over something. We crave feeling power in our lives. We crave feeling power. We crave future rewards. So when you're going skiing, can you imagine the excitement that kids have, the excitement that adults have? When you're headed to Disney World, which I also think is a dangerous experience, when you're doing all of these things, right, the excitement that is building because of this reward that you're going to have in the midst of this dangerous experience, our culture craves a future reward. A future reward. We're always working for the next thing. We're always working for the next thing. We crave things to numb our anxiety. These dangerous experiences quiet all of the rest of the things we worry and are anxious about for a little bit. They numb our anxiety and our worries and our fear. Dangerous experiences numb that because our culture craves a numbness to the things that we worry about all the time. It gives us a numbness to anxiety. And dangerous experiences do something. I read the psychology on it this week. It gives us a feeling of belonging to people around us. If, if all of you are enjoying skiing together, you, there, there's a sense of belonging and community that you automatically have. You, you know somebody who sails on the boat? Like we automatically have a connection to somebody because our culture is craving belonging and we will bungee jump and we will trail run and we will ski down the sides of mountains and we will go to Disney World and we will do anything to feel like we have a place to belong. Our culture is addicted to dangerous experiences because we crave power, because we are, are absolutely like fixated on a future reward, because we are numb, we want to be numb to our anxieties, and because we are deeply desperate to belong to something. We are deeply desperate to belong to something. So many of you sitting here this morning are like, yeah, 
Maybe that applies to sort of my, my dangerous life or my, my adventurous life or my whatever piece of life. But, but on the day-to-day, I don't really crave dangerous experiences. I, I think you do. I think you do. Because I think many of you who are going to work every single day creating all these systems and processes for people to experience certainty and, and, and know the, exactly what the bottom line is going to be, when you are going to work every single day doing that and you come home and you're like, I just don't feel like I'm living into my purpose because you are craving something more than just delivering a product of certainty to all of the people around you. We live in a world with Instagram influencers who will teach you exactly how to parent your children so they never have to go to counseling when they're adults. We live in a culture that tries to sell us skincare products and everything else that will never cause us to age. We'll never, we'll never get the wrinkles of wisdom. We live in a culture that constantly is feeding us products to keep us safe and certain and secure, but so many of us are craving a dangerous and adventurous and real life. And I am here to tell you this morning, God is ready to give you that life. God is ready to give you that life. If you think skiing off the side of a mountain is fun, try following Jesus. If you think hang gliding above the sea and seeing the beauty of God's creation it, it is dangerous and exciting and adventurous. Try following Jesus. If you think taking a, a risky move in your work or your business is thrilling, thrilling and exhilarating and exciting, try following Jesus. A Jesus who will, who will not just numb your anxiety, but will transform your fears and whisper into you a purpose to chase after it like you've never done before. A God who wants you to feel like you belong here and to the people around you. Look around. You belong here. Following Jesus got you here. Following Jesus will give you belonging. Following Jesus will teach us we're not all that powerful, but we know and can cling to the one who is. Following Jesus isn't just about a future reward. We're going to find out in just a few minutes about how it's a, about an absolute present and, and deep satisfaction and joy right here and right now. For too long, us followers of Jesus have pretended like following Jesus is just going through the motions and it's nice and it's simple and it's easy. No, it's the boldest and most courageous and most exciting adventure you will ever experience you will ever experience. Jesus is sitting, he's teaching all these people about um, how to follow Jesus. They're, they're deeply craving. I think so often we think all those people in the Bible, like what did they have to worry about? What did they have to, to think about? I think we, we think that, I think that often when I'm reading it, I'm like, what would Jesus say to us now? He'd probably say the exact same things. He might use a little different illustrations when he says it, but I think Jesus would say the exact same things to us that he says to people. People sitting at his feet who for years have done exactly what their religion has told them to. They've showed up and they've done what they're supposed to. They've prayed the prayers. They've done the things. They've ate the food. They've done everything they're supposed to and they want deeper meaning and a more adventurous life. And they sit at the feet of Jesus and they say, tell us more. These guys who've, who've spent years of their lives fishing, like talk about a risky business, right? Some days the fish bite and it's really good business and some days they don't bite and it's not really good business and you just got to show up to work and figure it out, right? These folks have similar jobs to you all. 
They just sweated a little more and it didn't smell as good. But I don't know if it smells good in your office all the time either. These guys go out on their boats and they, they get these fish and, and they pull them into their boats and, and they're, they're living this life. It's what their dad did and it's what their uncle does and it's the family business and Jesus shows up in their lives and says, stop doing that and come be a fisher for people. Come fish for people. Come tell these people who are sitting at my feet longing for adventure and goodness with God. Come tell them. Come tell them and show them there's a different way of living. And God is whispering that to you this morning. And I want to tell you, if you're like, I don't know what my next step is. I don't know what to do next. The next step is prayer. We've talked about some dangerous prayers. God, make me bold and courageous. God, God send me out to serve other people. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And this morning, we are going to learn about the most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray. The most dangerous prayer you could ever pray. In Luke chapter 11, these people are sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was praying. One day, Jesus, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished... One of his disciples, one of his closest friends and followers who, who was right there by his side, for, side forever, he said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. We think the reason you have that relationship you have with God, we think the reason you are bold and courageous, we think the reason that you are on your knees saying, break my heart, God, for what breaks yours, and then you stand up and go and roll your sleeves up and serve the poor and the least and the last, we think you're doing that because of the way you pray. Teach us that prayer. We don't want to be numb to our anxiety, but we don't want to be crippled by it either anymore, God. We want to feel belonging, Jesus. Teach us to pray. Anybody here want to say that to Jesus this morning? Jesus, teach me to pray. I want to live a bold and adventurous life for you. Teach me how to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. In fact, all of you were given a worksheet as you came in. Um, the, the Lord's Prayer that we typically pray is a combination of the prayer from Matthew that Matthew recorded and remembers Jesus teaching him to pray and one from Luke. And let's just bow our heads and let's all pray this prayer together. Let's start this morning by praying this prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me tell you why this is a dangerous prayer. 
Because right in the beginning, our Father who art in heaven. The reason Jesus says, say this, is because at the time, all of these people had put all of their hope, all of their dreams, they had put it all in Caesar, the person who was running the Roman government. Everybody, they gave their money to it. They gave their lives to it. They stood up and fought for it. Everybody was saying, our Father is Caesar. That's who we're going to bow down before. And Jesus says, that power, that earthly power is not going to last forever. And you're like, we would, we would never do that. We'd never put all our hope and, hope and trust in a government. But, but what is it that you put your hope and trust in? This very morning, you've put your hope and trust in something. And Jesus says to start out your prayer saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Not because Jesus just, not just because God lives up in heaven and is like, you know, doing, I don't know what a God who just would live up in heaven would do, but he's not just living up there looking down on us. God is here among us, with us. But there's something about us praying this prayer and saying, Our Father who art in heaven, our God who is more powerful than everything. Our God who sees the bigger picture. Our God who is more powerful over the shame and pain and addiction and, and all the broken things of, our, of, of my life and of our world. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May we respect and, and live out and bring glory to your name. See, prayers aren't just something we say. They start to, to get in our blood and in our heart. And, and the disciples knew this. They saw Jesus praying like this to God, and they said, said you know, when, 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 when people look at us, we want them to see you. We want them to see you, Jesus. And he says, this is how you do it. You put all your trust, all your hope in God, not in all the things of the world. Not in all the things of the world. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In a world craving power, this prayer reminds us, we say out loud to God, power belongs to you, God. Write that down. P, it teaches us to pray, and the P is power. Power belongs to God. We say it with our mouths and our hearts and our lives. Our Father who art in heaven, all our trust is in you. Hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, power, God, it belongs to you. Our power belongs to you. Give us, a, and then it says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. We crave a future reward. We want to know that what we're doing right now is going to matter five seconds from now or five years from now or ten years from now. God knew we were wired together. God wired us together this way. Fut having some hope in a future reward isn't bad, but this reminds us what our future reward should be. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done. May that be my future reward. This prayer teaches us that our reward is joy in the present. Right now, God, 
the future of your goodness and your glory and all things being made right. Revelation 21.5 says, write these words down for they are trustworthy and true for I am doing something new where all people will know about the goodness and love of God, where, where the poor will be made rich, where the, where the lowly will be brought high. There's a day, there's a day when all of these things, all these circumstances in our lives won't feel so powerful. Our future reward is not in our bank account. It's not in the house or the trip or the car. It's not in our retirement or, or the grandkids that we want. That's not our future reward. Our reward is in God's kingdom coming. And when we start to pray for it to come now, when we start to pray for it now, our joy moves from this anxious thought about what, what all's in the future to what is right here, right now. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. We acknowledge, this prayer teaches us to acknowledge reality. The A is acknowledge. When we pray, we say power belongs to God. The future reward is about joy in the present. And we acknowledge the reality that we have messed up. Anybody messed up this week? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Messed up a few times this week. Has somebody messed up against you? I'll raise two hands. That's happened more than once this week, right? We acknowledge the reality that we live in a broken world that hurts each other. And we ask God to release us from the pain and the burden of living with that every single day. Forgive us our sins. Release me from the shame and pain that I'm carrying around every day. Release me, God from the pain and shame and hurt that I carry around because other people have carried them around. Forgive me for my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Give us this day our daily bread because we know that our daily bread isn't promised. It comes from God. And if if we start praying, give us our daily bread, we find ourselves signing up at the Gandhi Civic Center, driving our cars all over town, picking up extra groceries for people who are hungry. Because give us our daily bread becomes our daily bread, not just my daily bread. We can acknowledge reality in prayer. We don't have to pretend like the world's, world's amazing and awesome and we can't wait to get up in the morning. We don't have to pretend like that. We can acknowledge the reality of the brokenness of this world. But then I want, you to, I want you to hear how we always end it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This world is broken, it is hard, it is painful, and it is shameful. But we have a chance every single time we pray the Lord's Prayer to say yes to God's kingdom. That's the why. Say yes to God's kingdom for that's where the power and the glory and the hope and the goodness is forever and ever and ever. Amen. This prayer teaches us to pray. It teaches us to actually pray. Somehow we made it this safe prayer that we pray before our kids play t-ball. We pray as a part of a worship service. We just sort of go through the motions and say the words. We don't know anything else to pray. It's just something we kind of whisper to God. This is a dangerous prayer that takes power from our lives and gives it to, to God. 
that says our future reward isn't in my bank account or my retirement account. It's with you and your kingdom, which I want to come right now, God, in the midst of this world. It acknowledges reality. It acknowledges the darkness and the pain and the shame of the reality of our lives and the lives around us. And it says yes to allowing God to come in and ignite change that makes everything, everything different. Erica, do you really believe that? Y'all might not believe this, but there are times in my life where I have not known what to say. The bed of a six-year-old dying of brain cancer with his mom camping beside him. And I had no idea what to do except hold her hand. And we prayed the Lord's Prayer because it was the one prayer we both knew. And we didn't even get through the part for God's kingdom to come without tears running down our face. Give us our daily bread, God. Give this child what he needs right now in this moment. And for just a second, we were swept out of that moment and we recognized that as we prayed for God to give him his daily bread, we wanted those doctors and nurses and, and chaplains that had come to visit her, we wanted them to have their daily bread too. This is a dangerous prayer that we can pray in the darkest and hardest moments. I'm on the phone with a, a guy who got arrested for, for drunk driving. He's arrested, and I'm his pastor on the phone. It was one call. At, we had no idea what to do, and we prayed the Lord's prayer together. God, he doesn't have power over his drinking anymore. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do something about this right now, God. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We prayed over that prayer. This, this is a dangerous prayer. It's a prayer that you can pray in the deepest and darkest and hardest moments of life. And it's the one that I often pray over babies when I visit them for the first time. It's the one I pray over folks when they get a new job or experience something new. It's not because I don't have any words to pray. It's because this is the best prayer to pray. It reminds us where power belongs. It reminds us that our future reward, no matter how excited we are in it right now, it doesn't, it's not here. Our, our reward is in heaven, and, and, and it's coming here right now, and God can give us present joy right now. It helps us acknowledge reality. It helps us say yes to God so we can belong to a movement that is so much bigger than ourselves. Can we end today by praying the Lord's Prayer just one more time all together as the band comes up? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.